Good morning. Good morning. Chicks and chocolate. Who approves this stuff? I didn't approve that. Sounds awesome. I think it was you, wasn't it? There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, why don't you come on up here, Sarah? Sarah is getting ready to take off on a mission trip, and I want us to pray over her. Can we do that? So, Sarah, why don't you tell us? This is Sarah. Does everybody say hello to Sarah? It's great. Why don't you go ahead and sing a little song for us? Okay, Sarah, tell us a little bit about your, you're going to Ethiopia. Yeah. So tell us what you're going to be doing there in Ethiopia. So I'm going to be traveling with an organization called Petros Network. And Petros Network is a church planting organization. One, we're going to be opening the Tesfa Center, which is a shelter for widowed and abandoned women who can come and not only have a safe place to be, but be trained in discipleship training and be trained in meaningful work and skills so they can provide for themselves and their families. And we will be providing the first all-women's training for them. And not only that, I know, it's incredible. Isn't that exciting? Awesome. So Um, so like women church planters? Yeah. And these are going to be the widowed and abandoned women in the community. So I'm so excited to to, um, change that cultural dynamic. And we'll be teaching community health, trying to provide sustainability in the medical community there. And also we'll be um, training over 200 other pastors and church planters in another area as well. So a lot of that love men train and sending going on. So I'm really excited. That's awesome. Is Ethiopia a little bit, um, is it down on women or is it okay? Or is it's it... very Muslim oriented. Even okay. though it's an open country, they're very close people group because of the heavy Muslim influence. And if they're not heavily Muslim influence, it's very pagan. So women are very much second class. Uh, they can't divorce their husbands, but their husbands can divorce them and just take everything and leave. Wow. So they're really uh, left with nothing. Yeah. So we're trying to provide a way for them to not only have Jesus, have a new family, but have a way to take care of them. Ministry. as well yeah that's awesome what um how can we support you um well first of all prayer there is obviously a lot of training a lot of empowering a lot of us that will be talking about jesus and talking about how jesus really loves them and that's who yeah. they are and they have value in that so prayer for that because the enemy is going to fight against that uh traveling mercies um i would love prayer because i'm going to be doing training i'm totally nervous that's going to be a lot um yeah that would be great all the financial needs have been met praise god so i'm very excited and that's awesome when's the last time you heard a missionary come in front of a church and say hey i don't need your money yeah. <laughs> come on so can we let's pray for you yeah all right can somebody stretch your hand forward maybe a couple of you come on forward can we do that why don't you come down here is that all right awesome 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 Jesus, thank you so much for Sarah. Thank you for her heart, Lord, too. Uh, I know that her heart just beats to get out and go do what she's called to do. So, Lord, I pray that you just give her wisdom and, and Lord, to, to have the right answers. I pray for divine appointments to be set up for her. Lord, as she speaks as a woman to women, God, that there would be a receptivity, Lord, especially in a Muslim culture, that that the treats women uh, in a way that I think is really wrong. I just pray that the authority that you've given her, Lord, would be transcendent and it would show up in their lives and, and that they would receive a real impartation from you. Bless her. Keep her safe. Uh, thanks for the provision. Uh, we just love you and we thank you for working in Sarah's life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Way to go. Love it. Love it. I love it. My, uh, my wife, uh, the other day, found a uh, box. Actually, here's the honest to goodness truth. My, my wife is, we have a bunch of videos from our kids when they were really little, but they're all VHS, right? And today, everything is digital. And so forever, she's been saying, can we just go get a VCR? And, and, and forever, I've been like, 
uh-uh, it's impossible. It'll never happen. Because I know that once she falls into that rabbit hole of looking at videos, we're done. Like, she's going to go on forever, right? So, so she decided on her own to go on... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to tell the truth. The rabbit hole. Wait, I'm sorry. If this is out of line. I'm so sorry. It's completely out of line. Yeah, it is. But that's okay. Okay, I want to tell you, for years, we've had a DVD and VCR combination player. I can't hear you. Yes. Oh, oh, sorry. It looks brand new because we've never used it because Lance acts like he doesn't know. It's impossible. He acts like he doesn't know how to hook it up. It, it doesn't work. Every time, I'm like, you're a smart man. You can hook up a VCR to a TV. Then he started saying, I think our TV's too new to be hooked up to that. <laughs> So I thought, fine, I'll go buy, I'll just go buy something so myself. Did. So sorry, now you, you can tell your side of the story. Thank you. That's awesome. Welcome, welcome in on my world, right there. <laughs> how it really goes down at our house. So she bought herself a thing, either she could, it's a TV VCR combo, so she, anyway, she's been watching videos, a bunch of them, right? And here's the, the, the crazy thing about my kids, They're, it's fun to be able to look at them again, and, and you know what, I'm sorry, we should have done this sooner, we, whatever. Alright, so we have them now. We've been watching all of these videos, and the thing I'm finding is my kids, they were so cute when they were so little. And, and I, so, so we, we ran, a, one thing I did see is my son, uh, he, he had a lot of energy, I mean, probably... We, we, we probably should have taken him somewhere kind of energy, like, like a lot of energy, like just shaking and just have it always busy. Anyway, uh, so my daughters didn't. My daughters are very chill, calm, and, and all that stuff. So, and it was just augmented by watching my son because he was like 100 miles an hour. In my house, when, when they were little, it was very difficult. If there was ever a time when there was like an, an argument, have you ever had those, those family arguments that happen, right? They always, not, not sometimes, but they always happened at bedtime. And it was always with my son. It, my, my daughters, they would, eh, I don't want to go to bed. But then they would go and they would fall asleep. My son wasn't like sometimes. It was like every single day, argument, bedtime. Like it was, we sing the song, I Surrender. He, he literally had to surrender to sleep or pass out. I mean, it was like, so, so there was one specific time when my son was, I, I'm assuming around three, right? So he, he was very articulate little three-year-old. And, and he, uh, we, we liked that, and it was also frustrating because he would tell you how he felt a lot. And, and so I remember this, this, all the thought bubbles above your heads is funny. But, but I can tell you, so one time uh, it was the evening, we were putting him in the bed. In fact, it was very funny with my son. If all I had to say was this phrase, buddy, it's time to go to bed. And like his blood pressure would rise. Buddy, it's time to go to bed. So when, a couple of months ago, my son's now 26. We were in New York just for fun. I said, hey, buddy, it's time to go to bed. And he looks at me and goes, <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, Dad, I'm a grown man. Why does that still make my blood pressure rise? And I was like, son, chill out, man. You know, stay up. I don't care, right? So nevertheless. So, so anyway, he was little. Uh, Polly and I were in the living room. His bedroom was just off the living room. And uh, he was three, and at three years old, when your son's room goes quiet and they're three years old, when you put him to bed, there's only two possibilities. Right? One is Jesus has graced you with a moment and, and caused him to fall asleep. That's one opportunity. That's, that's one possibility. Another possibility is he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. Right? Come on. You, I'm not alone in this. Trust me. Let me tell you this. Right? So my three-year-old son was in there, uh, got quiet. And so 
Uh, we were just about, one of us was going to go in there and check in on him because, again, he's three years old, whatever. So, so we, we noticed his door creaking open, right? It doesn't normally creak open, but it started to creak open. And I whispered to Polly, I was like, let's pretend like we don't see it. Just to see what he's got up his sleeve, right? So the door creaks open, and, and, and we, we look to our left, and we see him on his back. And, and he's, he's ooching out one inch at a time on his back. Just one inch at a time, and he'd stop, and he'd look around, and he'd ooch out again, and he'd wait, and then he'd ooch out again to where he was in the middle of the living room, right? And, and so we didn't say anything. We kept on watching TV. It was just like a normal night, and so now we notice that he's looking at the TV, and so we're like, all right, this is a problem. So then Polly goes, young man, what do you think you're doing, right? And he goes, mom, I was in bed. I, I was in bed doing exactly what you told me to do. And, and, and I don't know what happened, but I fell out of bed and ended up out here. <laughs> We're at the end of a six-week series entitled Send. Entitled Send, where we're talking about being sent out into our world. Talking about being sent as Christians into this world, into your world, into, into the Puget Sound region where you live, eat, breathe, sleep. All, you spend your money in this region. God's called us here. And we've been talking about what it means to be sent out into this world. God's called us. We've been talking out of Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus took his disciples way up to a place called Caesarea Philippi, where he said, I want to build my church out here. In other words, the message he was communicating to us was, Jesus was going to build his church. But I believe the message was bigger than just, I want to build a church somewhere on the planet. I think the message that Jesus was speaking to his disciples was, I want to build the church where people need church. I want to build the church where, where, where people don't know any better. Like, like Sarah's taking off to Ethiopia to talk to people who don't know the answers, who are looking for hope. Jesus, I believe, was taking them to Caesarea Philippi, as far away from the religious center as possible, and said, I want to build my church out here. I think it's the same thing for you and me, that God's calling us to a place of being sent out into a world, right where you are. Will you join me as we pray? God, thanks for today. Help us as we get into your word, find out what we're really called to and how you want to use us. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about obedience versus disobedience. In fact, I really want to do it this way. It's like my son in bed in that moment. I want to talk to you about a, a kind of obedience that we actually think is right. I want to talk to you about partial obedience. See, my son would go to bed, and he would be in there and partially be obedient. See, for his, for his actions to say to us, you know, I was in bed trying to do what was right, and ended up out here. Partial obedience in his little brain was absolutely true. How many know that partial obedience is actually disobedience? See, some of us have this idea in mind that we're doing what's right, that, that we want to we step out and do what we're supposed to do, but there's a, there's, a, there's a bit of us that's holding back. There's a bit of us that's keeping a little bit on our side of the ledger because there's just a little bit of fear that we might be let out there alone and for God to just, well, humiliate us, not prepare us, not give us what we need in those moments. If you have your Bibles, open it up to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I love this. He writes this. Luke writes, this is Dr. Luke. 
He writes, in my first book, I told you, dear Theophilus, he says, in my first book, by the way, the first book he's talking about is the book of Luke. He says, dear Theophilus, in my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to teach until the day he ascended to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions from the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved them in many ways that he was actually alive. On these occasions, he talked to them about the kingdom of God. In one of these meetings, he was eating a meal with them, and he told them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what he promised. Everyone say promise. Remember, I have told you about this, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, are you going to free Israel and restore your kingdom? Father, the Father sets those dates, he replied, and they're not for you to know. Listen to what it says in verse 8. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power, and you'll tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Let me read that last verse again. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power, and you'll tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Oh, there's one little, little caveat, including Tacoma. I love this. Jesus tells his disciples, he gives them a promise, and he says, go hang out in Jerusalem, you'll receive the promised Holy Spirit. He said, not like John the Baptist's baptism, but you're going to be baptized with power to go. You'll be filled with power to go. That's what Jesus said. Hang out there in Jerusalem, and you're going to be filled with power to go. You're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's going to give you the power to go. Let me drive that home a little better, right? You're going to receive power to go. <laughs> right? That's what Jesus told him. Go hang out in Jerusalem, and then you're going to receive power to go. In fact, the very next chapter is an interesting chapter. It's in Acts chapter 2. Ever heard of Acts chapter 2? Here we go. Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. Acts chapter 2 was when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was what was promised in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, Jesus raises from the dead in that moment, comes back, and literally Jesus says to his disciples, hey guys, in a few days you're going to receive power. When you receive this power, it's going to enable you to know what to say, know where to go, know what to do, and have actually amazing abilities to do miraculous things because you'll receive my power. Hang out in Jerusalem until you get that. When you get that, go. Jesus says that in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 2, the fulfillment of the promise happens. The Holy Spirit comes, and they're filled with power, and, and they're speaking in tongues, and they're already filled up to go. What do you think Acts chapter 3 said? You, you, they were promised in Acts chapter 1. They got the fulfillment in Acts chapter 2. And then in Acts chapter 3, you know what they did? Nothing. They didn't go. They started a food program. It was awesome. They needed a food program. There was widows and orphans. They did wonderful things. They did a food program. He did say start in Jerusalem, right? So they stayed there, and they did Jerusalem stuff. The Bible actually says it was amazing. That day in Acts chapter 2, Acts 2.38, the Bible says Peter stands up to start preaching, and 3,000 people come to know the Lord. In the next subsequent verses, you'll see that there was another 5,000 that came to know the Lord. And it just says, in fact, in one of the passages, it says 5,000 men came to know the Lord, not including women and children. There were thousands of people. That was like a honey hole of evangelism. I mean, people were coming. The Bible actually even says in the book of Acts in the first eight chapters that even some of the high priests were coming to know the Lord. 
I mean, how could you go wrong? It was like shooting fish in a barrel. People were coming to know Jesus. But they didn't go. You see, they stayed there. There was nothing wrong with staying there. They were effective in ministry, but maybe there was something wrong about staying there. You see, they got to experience some wonderful things, but you see, there was a, there was a go moment that Jesus had said to them in Acts chapter 1. Stay there until you're filled with power. Once you're filled with power, go. Start in, Jude- in Jerusalem, then go to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Hmm. Go down to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. See, interestingly enough, they were partially obedient. They received the power. They received the promise. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues like nobody. I'm telling you, it was amazing. Tongues of fire on their heads, everything. was awesome. But then they stayed there. They were partially obedient. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. There was a guy named Stephen. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among God's people. Stop. Could you imagine if you had that sentence in the Bible on your name? (laughs) Look, there's Rob, a man full of God's grace and power. He did miraculous things, and it was amazing. Could you imagine for all eternity to be known as that guy? Right? This is Stephen. I mean, if there was a guy who was doing it right, it was Stephen. Verse 9, but one day some men from a synagogue of, from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them were able to stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying that we heard that he blasphemed Moses, even God. Naturally, this roused the crowds and the elders and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. In that chapter, in the subsequent chapter, Stephen ends up talking to this high council and ends up being killed. They murdered him. He had a testimony that, the Bible says that as he began to tell his testimony to these high priests and council, that his face began to shine bright like Moses. It was like, Stephen was an amazing guy. We don't talk about him much. But, but he was just this, this guy that shows up in the early part of the book of Acts and was an amazing guy, and he ends up getting killed. There's a part of me that's like, why in the world did he get killed? Like, I, I, God, where were you thinking? You remember those moments when something happens in your life and you're like, God, did you just like close your eyes, take a, take a nap? I mean, like of all people, that guy, he's like confounding super smart people, miraculous things are happening through him, and then he's dead. What a shame. See, sometimes I think we, 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 we think to ourselves that hard things don't happen to people in the Bibles or things that we don't understand didn't happen in the Bible. Let me tell you, they had the same kind of stuff. I just wonder, I sometimes wonder what would have happened if Stephen would have went. I don't know. We'll never know. But I wonder if we're walking in obedience, complete obedience, if, I don't know, maybe things would have happened a little. Who knows? doesn't really matter. The point I'm trying to make is, They stayed. They didn't go. 
They, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They, they did exactly the opposite of what they were supposed to do. They stayed there. In fact, the reason why Stephen even shows up was because all of these uh, people who needed stuff started coming to the, the disciples. And the disciples, like the, the apostles at the time, they, they were trying to figure out how to feed them all. And so they, it, they, they brought Stephen and a handful of other people, six other people, who, who were the ones like waiting tables. Like Stephen's job became like a table waiter. It was, uh, it was amazing. He had this amazing opportunity. But I wonder sometimes if they would have gone, there would have never been that kind of a need, and they would have been out reaching the world. Hmm. Hmm. What keeps you from being sent out? What keeps you from leaving and going out to your mission? Do you realize that God has specifically called and prepared you for a specific mission field? See, sometimes I think we, 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 we get it wrong. Sometimes I think at times people uh, say to me, well, pastor, if you were there, you could answer all the hard questions. You, you could, you, I'm going to bring my pastor along and he'll be able to answer all the difficult ones. You'll be able to, to give all the things that are going to be necessary for that person to come to faith in Christ. Well, what I find is just the opposite. What I find is, is that God has prepared you and placed you in a scenario and a situation that if I show up in it, I'll have, I'll have the wrong things to say. Somebody asked me about my son who lives in New York the other day, and they said, I was at this pastor's conference, and they said, because there was a handful of pastors whose sons were actually up doing ministry stuff. Sons and daughters were doing ministry stuff at the conference. And, and so somebody asked me, what about your boy? Is he doing ministry stuff? Wink, wink. Following daddy's footsteps? My son's a video maker. My, my son makes movies. I mean, I mean, he's an amazing guy. And I said, oh, my son's doing amazing things for the Lord. And they're like, really? Well, what is he doing? Like, what church is he pastoring? Is he going to pastor your church when you die? And I was like, I don't know, man. It doesn't matter. The, my answer was this. <clears throat> my son is preaching the message that God wants him to preach to people that I'll never be able to talk to. There are people, I mean, I'll just brag him a little bit. He, he did a video with Demi Lovato the other day. Demi Lovato, she's the Christ, contemporary, not Christian, she's a contemporary artist right there. You know, in the people that he was with, like he, he got to share Jesus. He, he gets to live Jesus in front of people, right? People that would never come and hang out at our church. Thank God. Because he's a missionary in New York. God needs to send him to Tacoma. <laughs> Jeez, took a minute. Kids were a little slow on the draw. Now, I'm telling you, thank God he's there, right? I mean, he's reaching people that I may not get a chance to ever meet. I love it. Okay, go down to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. I'm getting somewhere with this, I promise. I'm going to talk to you about a guy in the Bible who, well, you'll hear. Acts chapter, two, or chapter 8, verse 26. As for Philip, Philip was another one of these guys like Stephen. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south, to the de uh, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he did. And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he was now returning, seated in, the, in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. So Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. So he asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I when there's no one to instruct me? He begged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage, the scripture that he was reading was this. 
He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, was Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? So Philip began with the same scripture and then used many others to tell him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Let me give you a couple of observations about this particular passage. In Acts 8.29, observation number one of this particular passage. God is already preparing your conversations. Let let me tell you this. The thing I love about this story is that God prepared the situation. God had already been preparing a conversation. Some of us kind of tend to think that if we're going to go be missionaries to our world, that one, we have to have all of the answers. We have to know exactly what we're supposed to do. I mean, to me, when I read this passage about Philip, Philip was just a dude. Philip was just a guy in the Bible who just, who just well, was fully obedient. One of the, one of the coolest passages here in this, this whole app, chapter 8, verses 26 and following, was, was, was two words. He ran. I love the fact that the Holy Spirit said, go down to wherever. There's a guy over there, and the Bible says, Philip ran. It just makes me stop and think that there was an obedience in him that wasn't going to be kind of. There wasn't like a slight little jog. There wasn't like just a, what, really? God, really? I don't even know him. He's rich. I'm not. He's royalty. I'm not. God, what do you, really? The Bible says he ran. He ran over to this person he didn't know, probably language he didn't understand. Who knows what happens? God shows up and sends him over. Philip runs there. You, you know why? Philip ran because he knew that God was going to, if God called him, God was going to set up the scenario. If God had put him in that position, then God was going to set up the conversation. I think some of us forget that God is going before all of you. <laughs> God's going before your, your, your students, your employees. He's going before your customers. He's going before all the people that are around you. And he actually is, in, he's there before you. What are the odds of that? What are the odds that this Ethiopian fellow was riding around in a carriage and the Holy Spirit was telling him, read this particular passage out of the book of Isaiah? Some of you are like, well, if I heard somebody reading that, I know exactly what to say too. Maybe you would. I mean, it was a big, it was a ball up on a tee. All he had to say was like, Jesus. He's talking about Jesus, right? It was a big fat softball pitched right at him. All he had to do was just say the easy stuff, right? Can Can I tell you this? People, you're all called as missionaries. We're all being sent, right? The great thing is, is God's actually before you. He's actually already there. He's actually already drawing people. He's actually already setting up scenarios. He's actually setting up conversations for you. He's already there. He's already working on people. He's already putting people that have similar likes and dislikes and leans and nuances that are kind of like you. Already there. Why would he do that? Because he wants to. Because he's amazing, and he wants to use you. Let me tell you this, number two, observation. All Philip had to do was listen. All Philip had to do was listen. Can I tell you this? Philip didn't have to have an advanced Bible degree. Philip didn't have to have a counseling certification. Philip didn't even need to speak the foreign language. All Philip needed to do was listen. Can I be so bold as to tell you this? All you need to do 
is listen. Too often we tend to think we have to come up with all the, the, the right stuff or, or, or get your advance this or that or whatever, and somehow that's going to be the way that's going to make you the missionary to be sent out into this world. You just have to listen. I think the problem with us is we don't listen enough. We think that people are going to be helped by all of our, all of our yapping. I can tell you, I have spent more time standing on the sidelines of a soccer game, standing on the sidelines of a football game, uh, standing at uh, kids, uh, one of my kids' conferences, sharing Jesus with people, teachers, uh, j- because they just want to know something about my life. The, 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 odd, the crazy thing is, is they would see my children and they would say, there's something different about them. What are you and Polly doing? And like, we're not sprinkling magic dust. You should be at my house at bedtime. What we're doing is just living life and loving each other and trying to find Jesus. You know, most of the people that I've ever led to the Lord didn't start with, let me tell you what it says in the Greek. In fact, I don't know any time that I actually said, let me break out the Hebrew and then they come to know Jesus. I don't think I've ever debated, in fact, I know I haven't, I've never debated someone into walking with Jesus. Never. I don't think I've ever debated them into it. In fact, every time I've debated someone, it ends up driving us apart, not bringing us together. What I found more than ever is that people just want to hear your heart because they trust you. Because God's placed you as the missionary. You are the city on a hill. You don't need to talk. Most of the time, you just need to listen. Here's a third observation. Third observation. Philip didn't need to even know what to do next. After this Ethiopian ended up trying to figure out this whole God thing and realized that Jesus was who he was talking about, The Bible says that the Ethiopian said, get this, the Ethiopian fellow, here's what he said. You know what? I should be baptized. That's what I should be. I should just be baptized. And so Philip is right sitting there going like, God, there's no baptistry. There's no like thing. How do we do that? You know what the Ethiopian fellow said? He goes, you know what? There's a mud puddle right there. How about we use that? There's some water right there. Let's just use that. You know why? Because God is already stirring in the heart of people because they just want to be sure that they know God. God's already ahead of you. I love this story because it just shows the hunger of this man in a carriage and it shows the willingness of someone to just walk alongside. Church, God's called us to be sent. He's called us to... to, to, He didn't tell you to build the church. He said he would build the church. He just wants us to be like Philip and run to where people are are, are needing God. He didn't have to come up with, you know what, you should probably be baptized now. It was the idea of the fellow in the carriage to get baptized. Philip just said, "Eh." that was the original Greek. "Eh." He just, okay, let's do it right here. There was no debate on if we should baptize this way or that way or sprinkle or in the name of Jesus versus in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It was just, all right. None of that. There was no debating. It was just a moment of somebody's hunger. Let me tell you this. God has placed you as a missionary. Here's my question. In, in, in the next couple of days, uh, Halloween's coming up here in just, just less than 10 days. Halloween, right? Halloween. We, we don't talk about Halloween. I'm in church. We're supposed to say Harvest. Right? But we don't. We say Halloween. Why? Because the world calls it Halloween. Let's just call it what it is. Can I tell you this? 
I, I, I'm, I'm going to do you a favor, right? And, and, you know, we have this Halloween party where we invite, well, a thousand of our closest friends all here in Tacoma to come and hang out with us. We're going to give them candy and chili dogs or whatever we're going to give them, just all kinds of crazy sugar, right? We're going to love on them. They're going to wear weird clothes. And you know what we're going to do? We're just going to show them Jesus. Come on. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity just to practice. I'm going to give you a practice, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to turn. Here's what we're going to do. On October 31st, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to turn the tables on the enemy. And we're going, to actually, we're going to actually get this. We're going to do evangelism in reverse. We're not going to have to go out to them. They're actually going to come into us. So, so, so here's what I want you to do. Just come here. Make sure you dress up into something funny. Something that, that makes you feel like you're part of the world that you're living in. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to serve. I want you to hand out candy. I want you to smile and say, she looks so cute. Nah. I just want you to just come up and say, look at him. He's the most darling little guy. You just love on people. Come on. I want 100% of this church practicing the love of Jesus with people. And I'm going to help you out. In about 10 days, I'm going to invite everyone here to come see you. So you're just going to love on them. You don't need to act weird. You don't, all you need to do is listen. You, you, you don't need to say, you know what? You should, you should be ready to turn or burn. Okay, don't do that. We'll usher you out. You're just going to smile and hand them candy bars. Tell them you love them. Tell them they look great. I want you to be a part of what we're doing. I want you to see missions. I want you to learn and see what you get to do out there. But I'm going to invite them all in here to practice first before we send you. So sign up. We're going to, there's some sign-ups out there. Go sign up so we know exactly how many people are here, manning booths and cleaning up, sweeping floors and handing out candy. We're going to need that. We need, we need a bunch of you to go out there and sign up, so please do that. And if we run out of lists to sign up, we'll just put another piece of paper out there and you keep signing up. We'll create stuff for you to do because there's room. We want you to serve. We want you to be a part of this. Like Philip, I want you to run to this moment. We're going to run out of pens and paper out there because I believe everyone in this church needs to be a part of this. Serving and giving. Amen? Jesus, thank you so much for an opportunity. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to, to show us, God, that, that in, a, in a place in the Bible where you told them to go, I don't know what they would have happened if they would have all left. But I do know, God, that there were people who died. There were people who were persecuted. There were people who were absolutely shaken. And Lord, I pray that it doesn't take a persecution, that it doesn't take an, somebody to die. It doesn't, doesn't take an, a moment of absolute shaking before we finally get the message that you're calling us out. Lord, help us to listen to what you've called us to and to not be partially obedient, but to be fully obedient. We need you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.